Welcome in to Hot Takes on this Monday, Monday's hour-long episode. Alongside me is Cody Blazak. I'm David Smith, and we've got a lot of NFL action to recap over the weekend. Of course, starting with Saturday's games. What a game between the Raiders and the Bengals. That was fun. Derek Carr had him goal to go, ready to score and tie the game up. Unable to do that. Stopped and turned over on downs. What a game. From Joe Burrow and the Bengals, they did a great job of getting the ball into Jamar Chase. And, you know, when you get the ball in his hands, good things happen. But it's it's fantastic to see this Bengals team really just winning games. It's fantastic to see them win a playoff game for the first time in 31 years. That's right, everybody. Send that text message. That seems to be the theme of it. Yeah, it was. Well, it. I, I read something before this this would be the first time you could ever send a text message like yeah. you're saying about the Bengals winning a playoff game. Text message wasn't invented the last time they won a playoff game. It's been a while, and credit to Joe Burrow. Um, <clears throat> I think it's great to see this Bengals organization, where they have been and where they're at now. Um, as far as the Raiders, I mean, they had a good season, especially with – the coaching change, and uh, I think it's a successful season for the Raiders. Um, Derek Carr is a good quarterback. I don't know if you want to call him a franchise kind of guy, but he's been there for long enough. You may as well call him their franchise kind of guy. Yeah, I mean he he wins games. He, he I don't think he'll ever go incredibly deep into the playoffs unless you just give him some insane weapons, but. I mean, he does. He has winning seasons. He does well enough for a starting quarterback. So, I mean, I don't think there's anything else you can say besides the Bengals outright won this game. They probably are the better team. Um, I think next week will be a real test for him. Yeah, that'll that that'll be a fun one to watch. But sticking with this Raiders organization, there was um, some news that came out after the playoff game, a couple of days after it, or I guess Sunday, yesterday that stated that it'll be a mutual decision between Derek Carr and the Raiders organization on what happens this offseason, whether or not he stays, will be based on the head coach they hire, um, which will be interesting there. Of course, Carr, a guy kind of getting old now, or older than he once was, so he could want some more stability in the organization, and that has not been the case in the Raiders organization. Um, I mean, he's, he's, he's about 30 now, so you, you expect him to... If he's not home there, you can expect him to go join one of these teams searching for a quarterback such as Carolina. Carolina's the top one that comes to mind. Maybe even Denver, someone looking for a quarterback like that. And see what he can do there. Of course, I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll see another episode of the Aaron Rodgers drama in the offseason, and that'll probably overshadow Derek Carr there. But he's had a fantastic season, and he, he deserves a lot of the credit for how, how well they did, especially with you know injuries to Darren Waller, the whole Henry Ruggs situation, you know, the John Gruden situation, everything they've been through, Derek Carr deserves a lot of credit for getting them to the postseason. Yeah, even you said he's had a great season. I think he's had a great career so far. I mean, just I feel like he's always been one of the underrated quarterbacks in the league. And I'm not saying he should be this glorified quarterback, but for where he's been and the situations he's been in, I think he's been, I think he's been the best quarterback he can be. I've always loved watching him. He's got, he isn't a cocky, arrogant quarterback that 
just thinks he's gonna win everything. I, I he looks like like he looks like a leader that that your team wants. I mean, so I, I hope wherever he goes, whether he stays here or does go to another team, I hope he's successful. I, I've always enjoyed watching him, so I, I, it's sad to see him lose a season like he did with all the issues his team and his organization had. But moving forward, I think it's just something that'll make him a better player. Yeah, absolutely. The Raiders, they they, they went 4-0 in their last four games to get to the playoffs, including that crazy game against the Chargers at the end of the regular season. The biggest margin of victory for the Raiders in, that ga- in those games were four points. They won by two points, four points, three points, and three points. So just getting the, the, the plays done when needed to be, and that's sort of what the Bengals did, especially that last defensive stop there, and that'll set up a fantastic matchup in Tennessee on Saturday, and we'll get to those later. But moving on into the nightcap, which was I don't I don't I don't want to I don't want to talk about it, but you know we've got to dive into it here. The Bills hung forty seven points on the New England Patriots. It looked like twenty years of frustration and hatred came all out in one game, one opportunity that the Bills had there to actually be the better team, which I think we all knew they were. Uh, Bill Belichick had no answer for this Buffalo offense. It was one of the most efficient offensive games in NFL history. They did not, there were no turnovers, no punts, no field goals. Every drive besides the ones at the end of either half turned into a touchdown, which is unbelievable. That was an incredible game put on by Buffalo. And they let it be known that they are a true contender. Yeah, listen, I know it's kind of bitter for you and the Patriots losing, but if I were a Patriots fan, 10-7 and seven with a rookie quarterback, I'm, I'm happy. He, he, You would think he's only going to get better. You have the greatest NFL coach of all time. I mean, everybody's – I don't want to say everybody, but I've heard people talking about Mac Jones like – He's not going to be a good quarterback. That if you want to win a Super Bowl, you're going to have to have a guy like Josh Allen or something or Tom Brady. Mac Jones is, what, 22 years old? He's going to take time and development. If I were a New England fan, I would be absolutely happy with the season, take it as a success, because going into the season, I wasn't sure what their record would be. I think this is a win for the Patriots. It's a learning lesson for Mac Jones. I mean, I think this team is going to have a very bright future. As far as Buffalo, though, I mean, what do you say about Josh Allen and five touchdowns, 308 yards, four incompletions? He had more touchdowns than he did incompletions, which is an insane stat among itself. So... All I'm saying is we. I feel like we doubted the Bills a little too much this year during the season when they were having some struggling times, but it, it looks like they have come to be the team we thought they were going to be come the beginning of the season, and Josh Allen is right back where you should be. Yeah, absolutely. The Bills looked fantastic. This was a, a, a great AFC East showdown. It was, it was fun. It was, it was heading into the game. It was a lot more fun than the game actually was. But nonetheless, I agree. The New England didn't really close out the season strong. Kind of in that playoff game, they won one of their last five games. Um, and that one win came over the Jaguars. So 
not the note they wanted to end it on. They were riding high, sitting at the number one seed, and kind of fell off, starting with that Colts game, and just never really recovered. So that'll be something to put together there. Of course, it's it's tough for a rookie season, rookie quarterback to come in and and put together a seventeen game season. And you know, we saw it. He looked great through the first thirteen games, and then kind of fell off towards the end of the year, and and lost. Of course, it hasn't been announced officially yet. Offensive rookie of the year hasn't, but uh, you can we can go ahead and assume that he's lost that award to Jamar Chase. And, but I, I agree. I think the future is bright for the New England Patriots, and I think that that I, I think Patriots fans are used to success. You know, me me being one of them. So when you, when they got up to that one seed, it kind of gave that hope that that thought that they they could compete, they could win the Super Bowl. You know, and then falling off towards the end of the season, falling down into the number six seed. So they just weren't able to really put it all together but nonetheless a bright future ahead but that being said another team that seems to have a sort of bright future ahead one that kind of didn't come alive until the second half that's the Philadelphia Eagles they got stomped on in this game it was ugly it was 31 to 0 they put together two late touchdowns in the fourth quarter trying to give themselves a chance were not really able to do so the defending Super Bowl champions look looked like that. They look like the defending Super Bowl champions, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean Tom Brady looks like Tom Brady. Um I really I don't think many people coming into this game thought that Philadelphia would win this game. It's closer than I thought it would be and they had two late touchdowns, but I mean it just shows to me this just shows that even when Tom Brady's 44 years old, he's still better than some quarterbacks in their prime. And I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is in his prime. He's still a young quarterback. But with other quarterbacks around the league, I mean, this this is it, – it, it might be a repeat of what we saw last year is the way I'm looking at it. Is it wrong to still consider this Tom Brady's prime? Is it I – mean, he's, I, I he's 44 say, years old, I, but, like, he still looks – I don't want to say it's wrong to consider it, but is it more or less, is he ever going to get out of his prime? Is he going to retire in his prime? Probably. I mean, I don't, I don't think that he's... I, the way he's playing, it looks like he could play until he's 50, which is, it's not rational. It's unrealistic, but it's very possible, it seems like. It seemed unrealistic to feel like a guy could play at this high of a level at 44 years old. Even so, la- even at 43 last year, it felt unreal. Like, there's no way he's going to win a Super Bowl that old. And here, the next year, we're like, oh, he's going to do it at 44. He, he, it just doesn't – it looks like he's getting younger is what it looks like when he should I, be getting older. I feel like people take for granted how, how insane this is. Nobody's ever done this before. He's, he's by far the greatest quarterback of all time, and – it's it's hard to put into words that the fact that he is in fact 44 years old and doing what he's doing dominating defenses that have been decent the Eagles defense obviously you know not a not a great one not not really even an upper tier one but nonetheless they're a playoff defense and it'll set up for a fantastic matchup next week they will move on and face the winner of this Rams Cardinals game that we'll dive into yeah, I, th- I think just to put even more into perspective, like, how crazy it is with Tom Brady, he is playing people that weren't even born in his first season in the NFL. 
Jalen Hurts was three years old when he won his first playoff game. He played someone this year that I don't even think was born in his first, or they had the same birthday or something like that, and it's 22 years apart, and it's his. You get what I'm saying, though, but it could have been Mac for all we. I'm, I'm thinking it is Mac, but I don't. It might have been say Zach that. Wilson. I think it was Zach Wilson actually. I, it's Either just way, crazy. crazy to me that he's playing against. Uh, to him, these are kids that weren't born They're when he played age. his first season. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's it's absolutely insane to look at what he's done throughout his career and what he's still doing. Yeah, he, he's setting records that will never be broken. I, I don't think we'll ever see a generational talent like this again in our life. And how about them Cowboys? Woo! What a performance put on by the Cowboys. How about the referee tackling Dak? <laughs> looking at that, listen, even if they would have gotten that one playoff, I don't think they would have scored. I mean, it's it's so from, I, I don't. I, I'm I'm so tired of all the excuses from the Cowboys organization. You had the players you needed. This was your year. You had one of the best teams put together you have in a while. Losing this game is. I, I mean, it's just. It's un. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Unexceptional. Is that the uh, word? Unacceptable. I'm, unacceptable. There we go. I, I'm my brain ain't working, but. It's just, uh, the ref didn't cause you to lose that game. You shouldn't have been down seven points with however much time was left. Yeah. It, you just shouldn't have been. I I don't, I, all these excuses, what's even odd, this whole ref tackling Dak thing, Dak's an NFL quarterback and he's getting tackled by a ref. And look, he didn't even, like, it's it's not that. It's, it's you got to know the rules of the game. And obviously... It's bad pe- preparation. I mean, I mean, look, look, it's 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 Dak's fault that they were in that spot right there. That they were, you know, it's it's it, he chose to run with the ball. Obviously, picked up a lot of yards they needed. But as Dak, you have to know, you've got to give the ball to the official after that play because the official has to ready you up for play. You can't just go line up the play. The official has to touch the ball and put it there. That's 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 clearly stated. The, in the referee rules. has to spot the ball. Yeah, absolutely. So you can't. It's spot done the- on every single play. Yeah, and so when he's he's sliding, you've you've got to pop up with the ball and give it to the official. The official knows it's his job, and if, I mean, Dak was in the way. I mean, there's no other way around it. The, the official is trying to get the get the ball set for play as quickly as possible, and that just happened to be running into Dak Prescott. That's that's not. And of course, Cowboys fans are going to sit here and say, you know, we would have, we could have scored on that play. I mean, you could have, you could score on any play. Like, I mean, that's uh, the the odds are against you to score on any given play. Typically, especially one on a on a hail mary type situation from the thirty yard line, your odds are not in your favor to score that ball. And Cowboys fans are going to sit here and go, well, we could have done it. You'll never know. I mean, I guess we will. I mean, we won't never know. And I'm not going to sit here and say you deserve to win that game. You should never have gotten yourself down twenty three to seven heading into the fourth quarter. That's just it's not a winning recipe, and obviously it was a great fourth-quarter performance put on by the Cowboys, giving themselves a chance in this game. But they've got to—you got to do more. You, you can't—you can't end up right here with this team against a, a great 49ers team, not a great one, a good 49ers team, a team that really matched up well with the Cowboys, leading to this fantastic performance from them. But you got to give credit where credit is due, and credit belongs to the 49ers in this in this game they put on. They looked fantastic in this one. They look like they're ready to 
could be giving the Packers a run for their money. Yeah, and even with all the excuses for the Cowboys, I don't understand these excuses because, first off, Dak didn't show up. Dak did not play well. He didn't. Look at his numbers. He was he had 20 incompletions. He didn't play well. His receivers, or his, uh, I would say his two top receivers, weren't the biggest factors in the game when they should have been. Amari Cooper had six receptions for 64 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, good yards, not great. I, I think it should have been better for him. And then CeeDee Lamb only had one reception. CeeDee Lamb is one of those game changers for the Cowboys. You get the ball in his hand, he, he's going to make a play. He has all season long. I think it just all the excuses for the Cowboys. I'm so tired of it. And for the 49ers, good for Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, everybody's talking about replacing the guy, and Trey Lance is going to be the 49ers guy. Year in and year out the past couple years, even if Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play an incredible game, he still got his team to win. You don't need to put up spectacular numbers. As long as you win, you win. Winning by 100 and winning by 1 is still a win. It does no difference coming a game. So, for all the people... Because I know we were talking about at the beginning of the season that we weren't sure Jimmy Garoppolo was going to last. He's gotten the team to win the games they need to win. And now they're going to have to try and slay the beast but that that's that we'll talk a little bit more about that on Friday I guess but I mean I it's good to see a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo be able to get through all just the situations he's had to when the press is just talking down on him 24-7 it feels like yeah but I mean it didn't even feel like and the press but it was more of the organization you're taking a quarterback number three in the draft you've you've got to expect that that kind of stuff to be talked about but the Cowboys have lots of things to address this offseason you've got um, obviously you've got Dak he's your franchise guy you gave him the money he's going to be your franchise quarterback whether you like it or not Zeke 12 carries for 31 yards you've got to do better than that you you can't be this franchise running back and then do that we saw Tony Pollard get more involved I think he needed more carries four carries for 14 yards you know um, you've got to get him the ball more he's a change of place guy I wouldn't expect it, it wouldn't be surprising to for me to see them maybe deal Zeke somewhere else I think you've got a I think Tony Pollard's the running back in this in these two uh he's looked like a fantastic change of pace guy especially on the outside he's proven to be that kind of guy I've, I've really been a big fan of his it's one of those situations it, it's almost a gold mine for Dallas in my eyes you've got two I would like to say elite running backs give or take get rid of one of them and Put it, get a player or get the money you need for another position. I mean, yeah, two backs, two really good backs is really nice to have in the NFL. But, I mean, get a tight end or something. You've got the personnel you need to deal and get someone that you are lacking on the depth chart. Yeah, they, they've got... They need to, to be able to establish more of a running game. You can't be playing this Cowboys team and they, they only, they're bringing four or three or four every play and, you know, you're not able to run the ball correctly. I mean, Zeke, 
I'm not going to put it all on him. I think the offensive line's got to do a better job. When you're getting 12 carries, 31 yards, you're averaging 2.6 yards per carry. You've got to do better. There's got to be a better establishment of the running game, and that'll be something I expect them to account for heading into next season because obviously they're the team in this division. They're, they're going to have a playoff spot pretty much every year unless something crazy happens in New York, Washington, or, or Philadelphia, which I don't, don't see happening. I think the Cowboys are still this team. That should be the favorite to win the NFC East and should win the NFC East year in and year out. You've got the players to do so. You've just got to get it done You've got the, the time money comes. to do so as well. Yeah. Like I'm there's no excuses for this team. I mean, they're, they've got what they need. They really do. But props to the 49ers, with that being said. Debo Samuel, first-team All-Pro, as, as very deserved. Elijah Mitchell put together a fantastic game. This this time around, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo just got done what he needed to get done. He really he threw that one interception, but besides that, the 49ers did what the 49ers have done, and that is dominate on the ground. And then the Cowboys it's, had no answer for it. He doesn't have to do anything special. He just gets wins, which is all you need. So props to this 49ers team. I I wouldn't want to be a 49er fan next week, but... Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't either. I'd be... <laughs> Feeling a lot more comfortable as a Green Bay fan. but And that'll bring us to the last game on your Sunday night, which started off fun. It was a tight first quarter, no points scored. Opening up the second quarter, T.J. Watt brings that fumble back for a touchdown, and suddenly the Steelers have the lead. And suddenly Steelers fans get their hopes up, and then the Chiefs start playing football. They score three touchdowns in the last five minutes and 45 seconds of the first half. They scored 35 unanswered points heading into the third quarter. There was, I mean, from 5.45 to go in the second quarter to 9.14 in the third quarter, you're scoring five touchdowns. That just shows you what this Chiefs team can do. They can do that kind of stuff, and they're that good. And, oh, boy, I mean, this was this was a, it was a fun one to watch until the Chiefs started playing Chiefs football. There was actually a point in this game where, the Steelers had a, a, a decent shot to, to win this game. I mean, there was after that T.J. Watt touchdown, the Chiefs only had, according to ESPN's FPI, they had a 52.5% chance to win, and that was the closest the Steelers ever got to having a chance in that game because, I mean, they turned right back around and put up seven points on them. And this, once this game got back to tied, it was, it was all in the Chiefs' favor. The Steelers needed to take advantage of it. And that being said, I think we can assume that's going to be it for Ben Roethlisberger. And what a what a career he's put together! Two rings, multiple All Pros. I mean, he's had a fantastic, fantastic career. And so, where do the Steelers go next year? What do they do? They draft a quarterback? Do they stick with you know? I, I think it's Mason Rudolph still behind him. What's next for the Pittsburgh Steelers organization? It's, I feel like it's one of those situations where you have a lot of the skill players you need. Najee Harris was one of the best backs in the NFL this year in his rookie season. You've got your receiving core for the most part. I think uh, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster. Deontay Johnson, the number Deont- one guy there. He's a, he's a top 15 receiver in the league, I think. He's a fantastically talented player. So I, I think you have your receiving core. I, I think your best option would probably be to go quarterback but I'm not super impressed with this year's quarterback draft class so maybe go another position boost your defense offensive line tight end wait a year for a quarterback and just see what Mason Rudolph can do I 
I'm, it's I'm just going, one of those situations. I'm going to hope somebody like Derek Carr ends up on that free agent market because he'd be a glove, a, a hand and glove fit for this Pittsburgh organization. That defense is already really good too. You've got Minka Fitzpatrick on the backside, T.J. Watt up front, along with all sorts of other fantastic Pro Bowl type talent all over this defense. This team is just a quarterback away. I think. I think it's one of those teams that's a quarterback away. And so, obviously, like you said, this draft class is not super impressive. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see them take a flyer mid-first round if they've got that first-round pick. I don't remember if they traded it away or not. On somebody like, you know, Kenny Pickett, maybe, who could who could step in and sit behind somebody like maybe give Derek Carr a year and then see what happens from there. But I, I feel just this quarterback class to me, I don't think you're going to see – Many franchise guys from it. I, I think these are a lot of backup quarterbacks is what, the, what I think they are. Yeah, and I think heading into the draft, a lot of organizations know that. And lucky enough, it's not like last year where you are gonna, where you had five teams needing a quarterback, and so five of them take quarterbacks in the first 15 picks. So you're not going to – there's nobody desperately in need of it besides, you know, the obvious ones like Carolina. You've got some questions out in Denver, and now you've got Pittsburgh needing one. Um there's there's not a whole lot of organizations like that right now. And obviously we're going to see a lot of I think I think there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks hitting the free agent market this year whether it be you know the Aaron Rodgers drama, the Derek Carr drama to come, the Russell Wilson potential drama to come. You know, there's a lot of questions to be asked. I think somebody in that New Orleans quarterback room and we could we could see Jameis back on the the free agent market for all we know. There's no telling what's going to happen to come there and there's a lot of answers to be asked throughout this offseason. But there's still one one game left on Wild Card Weekend, and that is tonight's game between Cody Blazak's Matthew Stafford's and the Arizona Cardinals. And so I'm going to hand it to you, and you tell me why the Rams are going to win this game. You know, I wasn't – so, all right, I, I think they're going to win just because I think it's Matt Stafford's time. But – Going in to the season, I thought Kyler Murray was a good quarterback. I didn't think he was a great quarterback. He's young. I think he's doing what he can. They had a spectacular start to the season where they went, what was it, 7-0, 6-0? They were the last undefeated team left, either way. They were were the last undefeated team left. I believe it was 7-0. Since then, they're five and six. They have not had a good end of the season. And uh, yeah, they've played some good teams and they've played some rough teams. But I, I, I think that I, I just think the Rams team is a better team. I think Matt Stafford's a better quarterback. I think the the receiving core for the Rams are better than the Cardinals. This is personal opinion. I, I I think Sony Michelle is better than James Conner. I just overall I think that this Rams team is a better team, and I think they should win based on that. Uh, this Rams defense is a very good defense as well. So I don't know. I, I think it's going to be close. Uh, I, I don't think the Rams are going to walk in there and just blow Arizona out of the water. I feel like this could be an overtime game. 
This could be a fun game. Obviously, the Cardinals being without DeAndre Hopkins tonight will be a big loss for them, but they've seen to kind of tread water, and you've, you've got to expect big-time players to, to try to make some, some bigger-time plays. Of course, leading this receiving core, the addition of Zach, Zach Ertz has been huge for for this Cardinals receiving attack. Um, guys like Christian Kirk, Eno Benjamin, A.J. Green kind of had a, a, a career resurgence in Arizona. So you've got to see if they can do that. James Connors had a fantastic year in the backfield there. Obviously, you're going to see Kyler Murray get some rushing yards here and there. He's That's a huge part of his game, and so you'll expect them, expect the Rams to try to account for that. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see how this game goes. I think the Rams win it. Uh, I do. But I, I think it, I think it will be a fun one. I think this could be a high-scoring shootout type of game because you know the Rams are going to score points, whether you like it or not. And so if you're the Cardinals, you've got to come out ready to score points. And I think that's where it's nice to have somebody like Cliff Kingsbury at the head coaching spot. So I'm very very excited to see it. I, I think that he's going to be the guy that's going to pull out a lot of trick plays, a lot of things that you're not expecting, whether that be a receiver or running back throwing a pass over your head, you, you're not expecting it. It's going to be a fun one to watch. At least I hope it is. I think the Rams are the better team. Uh, they're currently sitting at a three-point favorite. I, I, that's, that's all I mean. That's all I've got. I think, I, I think the Rams are the better team. I think, I think this is one of those games where you have that if you score so many points, you win. I think if the Rams hold – Arizona under 24 points, they should win this. I, I think I, Arizona scores more than 24. I think that's where things start to get a little little rough on the Rams' side. I think it's the race at 30. I think I think that's, that's what it is. If the Cardinals get 24, it'll be a really good game. I agree. If the Cardinals can get 30, I think they win the game. I think that that's, that's where this comes down to. I, I think that this... It's going to be a fun one to watch. So I hope I hope the Rams win the Super Bowl. Gosh, I want Matt Stafford. Do I would love ring. to see Matt Stafford do it. Uh, I think that would that would bring Calvin Johnson a smile to his face because guys like Calvin, all this all this great talent that's come through to Detroit, knows that Matt Stafford deserves this. This is it's been a perfect fit for him in L.A. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Hey, Cooper get Cup. Calvin Johnson back out there if they want it. He's 36. Brady's doing it at 44. <laughs> I think Calvin's having fun with his retirement. I think he's enjoying that. He made a lot of money. Oh, man. Because Detroit didn't have anybody else to give money to, so they threw it all at Calvin. So he's uh, he's doing just just fine. But it'll be a lot of fun to watch. And also with safety coming out of retirement tonight, the Rams having some secondary issues. Eric Weddle will be. I don't believe he'll be making the start tonight, but he will be playing bring calvin in. johnson out of retirement <laughs> there's my point i don't think they need any help at the receiving core position i think um i'd rather have calvin johnson than odell beckham jr yeah well I, I don't know what kind of shape calvin johnson's in right now he's a freak athlete obviously he's been a freak yeah he's, he could have been having a lot of uh, a lot more fun recreationally um <laughs> than than we would like to admit for all we know but I'm sure Calvin's having a fantastic retirement, and I'm sure the Rams are, are en- enjoying the receiving core they have there. Obviously, with the loss of Robert Woods midseason, the, the addition of Odell Beckham Jr. became that much more important. And I think we can we can safely say that Odell was not the problem in Cleveland. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a fair bet to make. Yeah. This Rams team, they can go deep. They can have a lot of fun. And they the winner of this game will be matching up with the Buccaneers in round two. And let's take a brief, brief look at these matchups here before we switch over to some college basketball. On Saturday, we'll have the Bengals and Titans. And that'll be a fun, fun one to watch. Joe Burrow back in Tennessee. I think the Bengals win that. I think they do too. I, I don't think the Titans are a true 12-5 and five team. I think they're a fluke. I really do. Is I don't, is Derrick Henry going to be back? I don't even know. Because he'll be back. They haven't officially said it, but all signs point obviously without a setback in practice. He's been practicing for a little over a week now. So What's crazy is he's been out for what half the season, and he's still the ninth leading rusher in the NFL. That's ridiculous. He's a game changer. I, I mean, I don't know what Cincinnati's going to do with him. I think they. He's going to be tough. He's going to have some fresh legs, that's for sure. Woo, he could have a 200-yard game and he lose. He might have more than a 200-yard <laughs> game. <laughs> this, this, they're going to, the Bengals should should light up the scoreboard, though, I think. And, of course, the nightcap Saturday night will be the Packers hosting the 49ers. The Niners, they could do it. I don't think they will. They could, though. Heck, I think they could beat any team. Yeah. I don't think... I don't think I will pick the 49ers to win any game in these playoffs, but I, 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 I believe that they could. Absolutely. And then heading into Sunday, the Buccaneers will be hosting either the Cardinals or the Rams. I think. See, if, if the Rams win, I think the Rams beat the Buccaneers, but if the Cardinals win, I think the Buccaneers win. I think the Buccaneers win either way. Uh, I, I think it's Brady in the playoffs at home. Uh, it's hard to go against him. It really is. I don't mean – you could you could line me up any one of these teams, including teams like the Packers and the Chiefs, and I would still say, well, you know, it's Brady in the playoffs. I mean, it's 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 hard, but at the same time, you could say all of these teams are so incredibly talented. I think we touched on it last week, talking about how there's not just two or three or four teams here that are really good. There's six or seven that are that have a shot at it, and so any any one of these, all of these games are going to be a lot of fun. And then the nightcap Sunday night football will have the Bills. Heading to Kansas City and probably the best game of the weekend against the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm leaning Buffalo. I I have no. I, I think Patrick Mahomes is back. I, I, mean, I, just, I think he is too. I think they look really really good. But I, man, so does Buffalo. I don't know. I I think it'll be one of those to be on your toes the entire game. Absolutely, and it's going to be a ton of fun. And heading into college basketball. Speaking of a ton of fun. There was a game just this morning that was incredibly fun to watch between number four, Purdue, and number 17, Illinois. And this was this was a fun one. This one was back and forth through the entire game. Kofi Coburn, the All-American for Illinois, got in foul trouble there. He had his hands full down low. And, I mean, that was, that was a crazy, crazy game to watch. And Kofi, you know, he wasn't – really able to, to get everything he want. I mean, Zach Eady was just a monster this morning. He's that That's a guy, that's a name that not many people know who he is. He's a 7'4 sophomore from Toronto. And he he had his way down low. And he was really the difference maker, I think, in this game, putting up 20 and 8. And he's not a guy that's going to trust the floor, but 
he will make you pay down low. And he's going to be the difference maker for this Purdue Boilermaker team. Still in the top four. Nobody seems to really be taking them seriously. But people need to start putting notice on Purdue and Illinois as well. Because both these teams, Illinois a one seed last year, of course, got off to a rough start to the season. But they're climbing back into this. They're going to be there. They they still are first in the Big Ten right now, I believe. And that's a, that's a heated conference. Yeah, I, I think they'll be come the end of the season a four seed at the worst. Um, I, I think Illinois is a legit team. I think just you started the season without Kofi Coburn. You got him back. He struggled today because of foul trouble. I mean, I think this team is going to resemble the team from last year. Maybe not to a T, but I think they're still a good team and they're going to win a couple games come March. Yeah, obviously they they lost some games early in the season. Um, they were without Kofi for their first three games, including that loss to Marquette. And in the first game back, they're throwing him into a neutral site game against a good Cincinnati team, and they lost that one. The other the other two losses, one came to Purdue. The other one came in December to Arizona. We know how good that Arizona team is. And so, I mean, that's going to be a ton of fun to watch. But touching on some other games that took place this weekend, Michigan State went down. Seton Hall went down. LSU went down. Texas lost once again. Alabama went down again to Mississippi State. USC went down. Let's start there. What about the week for Oregon that Oregon had? Oregon in back-to-back games beat UCLA and then USC, both of them on the road. They didn't really have fans out of these games, and that obviously makes a difference. But still, two fantastic road wins, getting Oregon back to what we expected them to be preseason. They were preseason number 12. They came in, they beat UCLA and beat USC. This team looks legit. Yeah. You you started out 13th to start the season, dropped out of it when you lost to BYU. I wonder if it was just uh, that beginning of the season trying to figure things out. This team looks legit after you beat two top five opponents in back-to-back games on the road. That That's... An incredible feat. So uh, it just gets me thinking, is this Oregon team what we thought they were at the beginning of the season, or is it a fluke? And I have a hard time believing beating two top five teams back-to-back is a fluke. No, I I don't think it's a fluke at all. And something that could or could not be a fluke, I, I think it is a fluke. We've got a new number one, and that's because Baylor dropped back-to-back games. And I, I think, I mean, obviously... All of these conferences are so heated. Even even Gonzaga's conference and the West Coast Conference currently sitting with four teams projected to be in the tournament, which is unheard of for that conference. They've come a long, long way. But dropping back-to-back games, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, both of them at home, I believe, for Baylor. Unexpected, to say the least. But I think it's it's good for a team like Baylor. We know how talented they are. We know how good they are. I expect them to still be a one-seed in the tournament. It's healthy to lose in college basketball. It really is. I think this a stretch like this was unexpected. I think it was inevitable for them to lose at some point. But dropping back-to-back is a cause for concern, but obviously no time to press the panic button. But Baylor, I mean, they, they've they got some things to fix, and I think it's good for them to know that now. But would you agree in the fact that it's healthy to lose in college basketball? Yeah, I... I... 
I feel like the chances of going undefeated in a college basketball season are so much harder than, for instance, college football season. You can lose in college basketball and still win a national championship. It's a lot harder to do that in football, just on pure competition. So, in the fact with there being 68 teams getting into the tournament, it's not a bad thing to lose. Obviously, you don't want to lose a lot and put yourself in a position where you're playing a really good team come the beginning of that tournament, but even if you drop to a two seed, you, you, you got an easy path to the final four. I mean, so yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it is good to lose in the regular season. Yeah, I believe there are 38. It's either 38 at-large spots or 38 automatic bids and 32 at-large spots. Either way, of course, there being 38 or 32 conferences in college basketball, the conference tournaments becomes that much more important especially for those lower mid-major type schools that we see be those 12, 13 seats that pull off the upsets. Because, you know, college basketball, the way it's done, you get hot at the right time, you're going to win some games, especially in March 12. But UCLA, last year, being an 11 seed, playing in the play-in and getting in the tournament and making it all the way to the Final Four, an insane run there, something that not a lot of people talk about, I feel like, how crazy that was because we know how good that UCLA team is now. But that was just insane. But that being said... That new number one in college basketball is now Gonzaga. Do they deserve it? I don't know. I mean, you put 110-plus points on three straight opponents, regardless of who they are, that's impressive. The team with the most first-place votes in this week's AP poll and the team who's number one in the student media poll is Auburn. And we sat here and talked about it last week. You don't like them because, I don't know if you don't like, you don't like Bruce Pearl, you don't like Auburn in general, but this Auburn team is the best in the SEC, and that's that. That's tough. I mean, I think they are best in the SEC right now. I think later on in the season, I, I I don't think this team's legit. I think. Let me take that back. Save those. Save those receipts. No, no. Save someone. Write that down. I don't think they're as good as people are making them out to be right now. Yes, I think they're a good team. Yes, I think they'll probably be a three or a four seed. Uh, come tournament time, no, they're not going to be a one seed as David's putting a one up. Yes, I think they could make a run in the SEC tournament. I don't think they're going to win the SEC tournament. Obviously, it's a while away. But I, I, I just – I have a little bias to not liking Auburn, just really? period. <laughs> but you're going to have Kentucky this Saturday. That's I think gonna they're going to drop that game to Kentucky. You're going to play the the Saturday after that. You're going to play Oklahoma in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge, and I, I feel like Oklahoma is just one of those dark horse teams in the back that are a little underrated. They're a good team. Just they're going to have one of those seasons where they're in and out of the top twenty-five. Yeah, they 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 dropped two games this week, this past week, and that's obvious. I mean that's. Oklahoma's going to show up for big-time games, and they'll, they'll show up for a game like Auburn, absolutely. I don't think they lose that game. I think they could lose this weekend at Kentucky, which let's talk about Kentucky for a second. They really started piecing it together. They're up to the number 12 spot in this week's AP poll. They just hung 107 points on a team who was top five defensively in Division One basketball with the Tennessee Volunteers. They've looked really, really good, and they're currently sitting at number three 
in the SEC standings right now, they've looked fantastic. They look like a talented Kentucky team. They're they're going to be a three or four seed. Come, they could even reach up to the two seed. But they they're going to be a fun, fun, talented team to watch. Team I wouldn't want to play in March. Absolutely not. Being a a if if they end up at the three seed, being a two seed, playing them in the Elite Eight, I wouldn't want to face them. I'd take pretty much anybody else because John Calipari has this team back to being what people expected. Yeah, I think Oscar Sheboy is having an insane season. He's averaging a double-double, which is incredible to begin with, but 15 rebounds a game? It's just it's unreal what this kid's doing. And I think we knew John Calipari would get this team back to the Kentucky we were used to seeing. And I think that win against Tennessee in such dominating fashion is a huge morale booster. And I think it's a real step forward for this Kentucky team to win that game the way they did. I think that's going to push them a long way. You're going to play A&M in a couple of days, which should be a... I don't know what to think of this A&M team. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll switch to that in a second. Obviously, we're going to stick with most, mostly SEC stuff here being located in Starkville, Mississippi. But this A&M team, one of two teams left undefeated in this SEC conference, the other being, of course, Auburn. But A&M, I mean, they haven't really played anybody in the SEC. They've Well, with that being said, obviously every SEC game is, is going to be tough. Um, they played on the road at Georgia. They, they won that game by two. Georgia's the worst team in the SEC at home against Arkansas. Arkansas has been one of those teams that's going to be in and out of the top 25. They've been, they've shown talent in beating LSU this past Saturday, and we know how good LSU is, but Arkansas has been really just in and out and moving on, hosting Ole Miss, winning that game, on the road at Missouri, winning that game. Those are four teams, three of them, probably the bottom three teams in the SEC, the bottom three or four. Of course, I'm going to include Vanderbilt in that bottom three. And now they've got this next three game stretch, you're, you're hosting, hosting, <laughs> I was about to fall out of his chair with excitement there, hosting Kentucky on the road at Arkansas and on the road at LSU. Are you all right over there? No, I'm good. I just almost fell out of the chair. Continue. <laughs> no, but they, they've got these next this next three game stretch. I think they drop all three of these games and everyone kind of returns to reality. But right now, I mean, I mean being 15 and two, they. They've looked really, really good. It's going to be hard for us to hold it together. You just almost fell out of your chair. I mean, are you all right? No, I'm good. I was repositioning. Continue. Ignore me. Okay, all right. Texas a and is going to, going to have a reality shock here. If they can manage to get through these games and win two of them, they're a real threat in the SEC. I don't think they do that, though. I think they might win that game on the road at Arkansas, but that's about it. Uh, I think I think this A&M team is about to return to reality. Um, but still, nonetheless, very, very impressive from this Texas A&M squad. They've looked really, really underrated, and they deserve a lot of respect. Yeah, they... 15-2 and two is good. Their losses weren't the greatest losses in non-conference play, but, yeah, like you said, they deserve respect, but I think reality is going to hit them real hard come the next couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Or maybe we'll be proven wrong, and they're... They could Better be than we think where they are. I mean, obviously, when you're in a conference like the SEC, who's who's one of the best basketball conferences 
you're you're going to win some games you may not have expected to. You're going to beat teams that maybe you weren't supposed to, and you're going to lose games you probably weren't supposed to. And I think that's next up with the team is currently sitting number four in the SEC, one of two teams with one loss in, in the SEC play, the other one being Kentucky, and that is the Mississippi State Bulldogs. They are right on the bubble in Lenardi's latest tournament projection. Of course, that was before they beat Alabama, so now you can kind of put them with some breathing room in that tournament. They've got a big game coming up against a team who hasn't really showed out in the SEC so far. They're 1-3, and three, and that's the Florida Gators, a very talented team, a team that was top 25 preseason and a lot of people expected more from this Florida team, but they finally got their first SEC win on the road at South Carolina, who's not a great basketball team. But what do you what do you make of this Mississippi State team? Obviously, we're we're on campus here at Mississippi State, but what do you what do you think of them? Going into the season, I heck, I'll do it anyway. I don't want to throw Tanner under the bus, which is, you know, Tanner is. We do the dudes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Going into the season, Tanner thought we would be a number one seed. I thought that was a bit of a stretch. I think this team has a lot of talent and potential. My projection at the beginning of the season was for them to be a four or five seed, which I still think is very manageable. You have a lot of games left, and you have a l- this team looks like they're starting to get it together, which I wasn't sure if we would see that at the beginning of the season just because of how many transfers that they had coming in. DJ Jeffries, Rocket Watts, um, Garrison Brooks, who am I missing? There's one more. Shaquille. Shaquille Moore. <laughs> I, you, I wasn't sure if we were going to see that chemistry come right off the bat. We didn't. Now that you have some games under your belt, you see them starting to show out. And you have your guy in Iverson Molinar who has just played lights out the past two games. He had 28 against Georgia and... It was either 22 or 24 against Alabama. Shaquille Moore, I believe, had 15 against Alabama. Um, Garrison Brooks had 16 and 10 rebounds. Didn't see a whole lot of Rocket Watts. Didn't see a whole lot of DJ Jeffries. He didn't play well in that game. Then you still have Tolu Smith, who didn't play great against Alabama either. But you have these guys that, now that you're working together and you have games under your belt I I think are starting to trust each other and realize I don't have to do everything on my own and for instance against Alabama you had Iverson go off and then when DJ and Tolu couldn't score you had Shaquille and Garrison scoring so I think they have the pieces to be a top 25 team and be a very good team I think we're going to see this I I think we're going to see Mississippi State put together a stretch of win streaks throughout this season. I think they have the talent. I mean, you're on a two-game win streak right now, which I really think I think should be seven right now. I do not think you should have lost that game to Ole Miss, but you're going to play Florida this Wednesday, and then you're going to play Ole Miss at home this weekend. I think you push that win streak to four, then you're going to have to go play Kentucky in Rupp Arena, which I think will be be a bit of a scare, but I think we'll see if this team is what they should be with the players they have. Yeah, of course, currently a a top-four team in the SEC, still very early in SEC play, but this is a team that Joe Lenardi, the ESPN bracketology expert, currently has in the field. Jerry Palm, the SEC sports expert, currently has outside of the field. 
Um, so I think it's it's still very early. I, I, I thought heading into the year they would be right around that five-seed mark, similar to you. But they took those non-conference losses that were bad. They're trying to pull together an SEC play here, which they've done a decent job of so far. They'll have that makeup game against Missouri, which should be another SEC win under their belt. But, you know, anything can happen there. Alabama lost on the road at Missouri, but Alabama's kind of spiraling out of control, and we'll get to them in a second. I think it's important for them to win these next two games. These are big-time games. They need to win against Florida. Florida's another team right there on that bubble. They need to win that game. Uh, the host Ole Miss, the one SEC loss they had on the road uh, this coming Saturday, that'll be a big-time game. And I think that Ole Miss on the road loss, I think that is a good loss, personally. Ole Miss is a hard team to beat at home. They have been. They're not a good team, but they are a hard team to beat at home. Take into account rivalry, too. So my biggest thing for them, though, is if you can win this game against Florida and Ole Miss, then split between Kentucky and Texas Tech, I think you're in a good position for yourself. Yeah, I think that Texas Tech game becomes a lot bigger than people thought it would be. Mississippi State has not had a good non-conference win. They have not. And so this is their last opportunity to get a a win come March that will be big in the non-conference. They they had four big non-conference games and dropped all four of them. I believe. Yeah. I believe. No, they had three big non-conference games and lost all three of them. And this is number four. This is the big game here. Texas Tech still a top 25 team. Big time win over Baylor. Going to Lubbock and beating a team like this is not going to be easy. If if I do recall correctly, I believe Mississippi State, they have, what, 15 games left? Somewhere around that mark. I believe eight of those. 14. 14. Okay, they have 14. No, 15 with the makeup with Missouri. Okay, yeah. so 15. I believe out of those 15, eight of them are quad one games, or quad one teams. So you, you've got a lot of – if you can get some wins against those quad one teams, that's that's huge. David's doing the math here. I think he counted seven. So seven – so we're, seven, we're in that seven, six to eight as range. Of, seven as of now, but obviously all of it's subject to change. My bad. It was eight before the Bama game. Yeah. Then you got that quad one win. Yeah. So, Which hopefully Bama will stay as a, as a quad one team. We'll get to them next, actually. Alabama two and three in the SEC so far. A team that a lot of people circled to be a top ten team preseason. Some I mean, They've got top ten talent, I think. Haven't meshed together well. They've dropped three straight games in the SEC. And it doesn't get any easier. Wednesday they'll host LSU. And this Bama team now, they're spiraling out of control, currently sitting right around a 7, 6, 6 7, 8 C in the tournament. You've got to get some wins. And, and LSU coming off a loss to Arkansas, this is a time to play this LSU team. They're very, very dominant defensively. They've got some questions on the offensive end. Getting Sharif O'Neal back is huge for them um, because he's an extremely talented coming out of high school, suffered some injuries, including a heart problem. So it's great to see him back on the court because he's extremely talented. We know, we know his dad. I mean, obviously Shaquille. He's a talented player, another piece to add to this LSU team that could be a two-seed come March. And there's a lot, obviously a lot of SEC play left. But looking at this Alabama schedule, they've got this LSU game that I, I'm leaning towards it being a loss. I, am. I, I, I like what this, I see from this LSU team, Alabama not playing well. Then they've got two kind of get-right games, hosting Missouri – on the road at Georgia. You've got to win both those games before you play Baylor at home, which will be a fun one to watch in that SEC Big 12 challenge because Alabama's proven they can hang with anybody. A win over over Gonzaga, a win over Houston, those are two big-time games. 
can they do it again at home against Baylor? Like that's that's the big question for me with the Alabama team. Can they get right before they play Baylor? Yeah, the, these next three or four weeks, it's going to be a test for them, and I think it's good. We talked about earlier with Baylor getting losses during the regular season. I think it's good to get some of the losses out of the way for Bama because I, I think this team is better than their record shows right now. Because you play Ellis at you, then you've got those two just that should be easy wins. Then three games back-to-back-to-back, you're going to play Baylor, Auburn, and Kentucky. That's not an easy schedule, three games in a row like that. I, I think that it's possible that they could win those games out. I, I think they have the talent to. Yeah, obviously, if they whether win those, they do it or not is the question. Yeah, if they win those three games, they're back on everybody's radar as a top four seed, top three seed probably. But they've they've got some issues to figure out. They're just not shooting the basketball very well right now. Their shot selection seems to be poor, and that seems to be playing into that. But there's there's a lot of questions to be asked here with this, and and there's a lot to dive into here. But really quick, we're going to get back into the AP poll, the new AP poll to drop. We talked in the first two teams, Arizona back up to the number three spot, a team that I said was my one of my one seeds. I still think they are. They're a very, very talented team. The Pac-12 as a whole has had a lot of games canceled from postponed from the co- from from COVID, and they're lucky to get that UCLA game rescheduled to be next Tuesday, not tomorrow, but the next Tuesday. That'll be a fun one to watch. Two games on the road here against California and Stanford, so they need to get those two games won heading into this UCLA game. They'll still be a top three team, obviously, without losing. And then on the road at UCLA, that's a huge opportunity for them to jump somebody like Gonzaga or Auburn if one of them takes a loss. But this Arizona team, one of these fantastic teams with one loss, them and Auburn are the only two teams with one loss in the top 25. They've got what it takes to be a real, real deep threat, real contender come March. Can they keep that together? Where, where, where do you see them losing next? I'm not sure. Uh, it's one of those things where are they going to lose? I mean, I I just don't know what to think of that team at this point anymore. Yeah, they're extremely, extremely talented, and they've got a lot of questions coming for them. And obviously we touched on Purdue, that big-time win over Illinois this morning. They look to be really heading in the right direction. Baylor, they've got some things to figure out. Baylor's next game will be Tuesday afternoon, tomorrow afternoon at 4 p.m., at West Virginia, and they go at Oklahoma. Then they host Kansas State before going at Alabama. So they've got three of the next four games on the road. That'll be fun to watch. Rounding out the top ten here as we close out hot takes. Duke at six, Kansas at seven. Wisconsin has looked fantastic this season, up to number eight. UCLA dropped six spots down to number nine. And Houston at number ten, who's been just kind of hovering around that top ten mark there. But there's a lot to watch here in college basketball coming. But it wouldn't be right if we didn't remind you all. Tonight's game, Cardinals, Rams. We both have the Rams. That'll be fun to watch. And we'll be back with you Wednesday recapping that game. We're going to start previewing the NFL this weekend coming up. With that being said, for Cody Blazak, I'm David Smith. This has been Hot Takes.